Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. On today's episode, we have Rick, G'day, Lauren, Hello, and Justin. This week on The Grange Point's Super Racing Special Part 2, we look at the science behind NOS and turbochargers. We ask the question, do spoilers on Suzuki and Mitsubishi actually do anything aside from making cars look good? We explore electric vehicles and electric charging stations. And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. Okay, so this week's City of Science is Bern, Switzerland. And it's the City of Science this week because in 1992, the first four locations of the park in charge were established there. What is the park in charge, you might ask? Yes, yes, I do ask that, Rick. What is the park in charge? <laughs> the park in charge was the first um, electric uh, car charging station. So what that means is when you're driving your new hip electric car and it's running low on electricity, what you have to do is find one of these easy-to-locate park and charge well, back then it wasn't very easy to locate because there was only one of them. Oh, Park there, were your four, car there, there were four. There were four. Okay, there were, there were four locations within Bern in Switzerland where you could go and park your car and recharge it overnight. And, I, and this is really important because one of the biggest ch- challenges about um, electric charging is that, yes, you can technically charge anywhere, but you need to have a network of places you can go to plug in like you can filling up for petrol. So, well, especially if it's using a different uh, power distribution or, or a different power source that's, that's available in someone's house. So in the past, I, I suppose there would be very different power requirements for cars than you would have now. Yeah, that's right. And there's a couple of different technologies you can use for it as well, everything from swapping out batteries to actually fully recharging the ones you have in your car. So it's, so it's an interesting thing. So what do they do in Switzerland? What happened with this, this technology? So first up, there was a three-year experimental phase um, to see, I suppose, to poll for any interest um, and see how the cars would perform and how the charging would perform if it took too long, uh, if it ran the battery down over time, um, and overall just to see the efficiency uh, of the service. Well, actually, the park and charge was so successful that it started up. They formed an independent um, organization in '97 to actually really expand this network outside of the government test offices. And actually expanded outside of Switzerland into Austria and Germany to continue the same sort of technology. And it, it's now uh, then spread from Germany through Liechtenstein, France, and the Netherlands, which is actually really cool to think about the slow spreading of electrical charging networks across across Europe. And I think I think them being pioneers in this technology of the networking of, of I suppose, uh, electric cars. This does, they deserve to be the city of science if we're going to talk about racing and cars and alternate energy sources and, and how in what direction cars will be heading in the future. Yeah, so that's certainly why they're the fantastic city of science for this week. So car charging stations sound really cool. Um, but what happens if you can't find one of these really cool car charging stations? Yeah, I mean, what, what were you going to do if you're like driving along and you're like, oh man, I don't have any fuel left in my car? It's not like you can go down to the, the local petrol station and walk back and carry some electricity. Bring some well, electrons in, the, in a bucket. In your jerry can. Back to your car. <laughs> jerry can full of electrons. That'd be great. Well, in the case of a young man from Atlanta, 
Um, what he did was, while dropping his son off um, to go practice tennis, he he actually plugged his car into um, an electrical outlet at the kid's middle school to charge his car while watching his kid play tennis. That's hilarious. So he what? He just like plugged in to a socket at the, at the primary school. Unfortunately, not everyone thought this was as cool as um, you did. It, what happened was he noticed there was actually someone by his car and came to check it out. And the man near his car was actually a police officer who informed him that he was going to arrest him for elect- electrical theft. Ele- oh, man, electrical theft. theft. How much? How much? would he have stolen? I mean, how much electricity are we talking about here? Like $20, $200, $1,000 worth? Approximately five cents worth of electricity was taken by this man without consent, apparently. Um, <laughs> so for this, for this man's car, if it's plugged into um, an outlet, it draws about a kilowatt an hour. And over an hour, that's about eight or nine cents worth of electricity, depending on the rates of, ele- of how much the electricity costs. And he had this car um, plugged in for actually less than 20 minutes. So the amount of power he stole, apparently, from the school was less than five cents. That's that's hilarious. I'm more surprised by the fact that they actually had electricity theft on the books as a crime. Like, <laughs> what what are you here for, Justin? Oh, I did. I, you know, I stole five kilowatts of electricity. <laughs> I, fi- I stole five cents worth of electricity. <laughs> oh, it's, that's really funny because if you think about it, how much did he actually manage to get into his car to actually make it useful? Like, I'm struggling to understand how much charge he, had, he managed to even put into his car if he had it plugged in for such a short time. That's, well, as the police officer said, a theft is a theft, no matter what. That, that, well, look... All, all glory and honour to the to that police department um, for enforcing crimes, however big or small they may be. Enforcing crimes? Enforcing crimes, not really enforcing crimes. Enfor- enforcing the law to stop the crimes, however big <laughs> or small they'll be. Uh, so talking about enforcing the law and m- keeping a lid on undesirable activity... We're going to talk about the sinister, sinister world of engine modification. And when I say sinister, I mean actually pretty exciting and cutting-edge engineering. Because if you've watched any of the fantastic Fast and the Furious movies or any other movie involving cars in the last 30 years, you'll probably have seen everyone giggle and then go, yes, hit the NOS button and like watch their cars zoom off in an uncontrollable burst of speed. But it's really... Interesting to think about what would happen if I actually put NOS in my car and would I actually go fast? What am I just like pumping magical gas? Or is it like driving over a booster pad in a computer game where you suddenly get a heap of speed? So, So, Ricardo, what exactly is happening here with NOS? Well, the first thing we should probably talk about, Justin, since this is a science show, is what actually is NOS? Like, you you hear about it, but what what are the elements, what are the compounds that make it up? Magic gas. Um, Besides magic gas that makes your car go-go, uh, <laughs> what it actually is is uh, nitrous oxide. Which is commonly known as laughing gas. So, uh, funny for you, not so funny for your car. Well, I don't know. Maybe your car is just having such a good time it decides to go faster. Okay. So, what it means... Um, so, what happens is that you inject this nitrous oxide into your engine. 
And since the, the combustion in your engine relies heavily on the oxygen that's available, what you're essentially doing is providing more, en- more oxygen to drive the reactions that are happening within your combustion engine. So more um, oxygen means that you're going to get more power output from your engine because you're driving this process more powerfully. Okay, so a combustion engine requires combustion, and combustion, as we all know, requires spark, fuel, and oxygen to burn. Yep, that's right. But how does the nitrous oxide, aside from the fact that it has oxygen in the oxide, how does that provide more oxygen to the actual process? So besides adding physically more oxygen, what, you, what the nitrous oxide does is it actually it has a cooling effect. So when it vaporizes, uh, the air compresses uh, or, or contracts. And if you get contraction of the air, what you end up is a more dense oxide solution that's actually in, entering your combustion engine. So since it's more dense, you can effectively cram more of the oxygen atoms into your combustion engine, which means that you get a, again, you get a more powerful output from your engine. So it's a really two-pronged uh, benefit here. Yeah, so that's, that's, um, that's really interesting. So they're actually chilling the air before it gets in, making it more relaxed, making it laugh, getting them all cramped in there like you would into a comedy club and then giving them some of the laughing gas and starting off a, a lot of a fire to make really the engine kick into a higher higher gear. So drag racing really is a laughing matter. Well, <laughs> not quite. Not quite, Ricardo. Um, so that's, that's nitrous oxide. And what we're talking about here is actually just modifying and supercharging engines, which is really cool, literally, in the case of nitrous oxide. But what about other ways to supercharge and adjust your engines. How does a turbocharger work? So we can increase performance in a number of ways, as Justin just mentioned. Um, Turbochargers, or uh, colloquially uh, referenced turbos, are a type of uh, force-induced induction system. Sorry. So what that means is that they compress the air flowing into the engine. So again, you get uh, more oxygen, uh, more oxygen atoms per, I suppose, square inch or or cubed square inch yeah. in this ta- this part of town we use the metric system <laughs> yeah that one um so that's turbochargers um the other interesting one is your afterburners and your afterburners can be found in a, in a range of vehicles not just cars they're also found in jets um and other other various vehicles and what an afterburner does is sometimes with your, your engine intake um when obviously when you're having a lot of these explosions, these mini explosions within your combustion engine, things are going to get really warm. And if you consider what's actually happening, you're driving either a piston which moves up or down, or you're driving some sort of uh, rotating blade. Now, both of these, when they get um, and, and materials in general, when they're warmed up, they're more susceptible for material creep. And what that means is that you're going to get a sort of uh, deformation in your materials. And this is more common at, at higher temperature. So to avoid these negative effects, of course, you don't want your pistons warping or your, your, your rotating parts becoming different shapes. Um, what you can do is not use up all of your f- fuel at once. So having an exhaust that still contains fuel that hasn't been burnt already and burning it afterwards. And what you effect- effectively do there is that you burn some fuel in the same way a rocket will. So you, you get some thrust, you get some force out of this, um, out of this burning of the fuel like a rocket. That, that, that's pretty amazing. I mean, I, if you have seen a jet perform an afterburn, it's a really incredible sight. Because they, they, 
they can also dump their fuel to make the afterburn even more powerful and it's just amazing to watch and with cars it's a little bit more subdued but still pretty cool yep okay guys quickly just just very quickly spoiler alert spoiler alert right now spoiler alert Tumblr, Tumblr saviour, this post, if you care about spoilers. I don't get that reference, but moving on. <laughs> so we all see, uh, it's, all, it's pretty fashionable these days to have a spoiler on your car. If you have a sports car, you want the spoiler because you want it to look cool. You want but to look what, fully sick. I don't understand what the problem is with But what that. benefits does that actually give your car in terms of performance? Like we see them on the Formula One cars. So they must have them because they're really high performance. So if I want my car to be high performance, I should get a spoiler, Justin? Well, I mean, that, that's, that's, what, that's what it seems to suggest. You know, you see the, the Formula One cars with these massive, massive spoilers, and they're going at like 300 kilometers an hour. And I get, I get that a spoiler holds the car to the ground and gives you better performance. So but, wait, wait, wait. What, what, let's just talk about that because maybe our listeners aren't aware of what a spoiler actually does. Okay, well, spoil me um, on the solution to this riddle, Rick. Okay, so basically when you're driving at fast speeds or at any speed really, what might happen is that the, the side panels of your car or some other parts, like your underneath part of your car, will actually generate a lift. So a very similar effect to what you see in aeroplanes, um, but this is, I suppose, more or less unintentional lift that you get from your car. And it's all got to do with the aerodynamics and the airflow around your car. So essentially what the Formula One race, car, uh, race cars do is because they're very light, they're very susceptible for, uh, to being flipped up in the air. And you probably see that a lot if you're a big racing fan. Yeah, I've seen, and, I've, seen, I've seen some of those cars, especially like in the Le Mans race, where they just like fly after they're going so fast and they go over a bit of a hill and the wind catches them and they just like fly like 50 meters in the air. Definitely, definitely. And the results can be really Horizontally, not vertically. 50 meters vertically is like crazy hard. Yeah, and, and the results can be quite catastrophic. And so that's really something you want to reduce. So what a spoiler does, and if you can imagine this... Is it, is is it that spoils when the takeoff? It spoils the takeoff, and that's right, and it prevents disasters. And you don't want your cars taking off. It's not like a rocket or a spaceship or a plane. You don't want these leaving the ground um, because when you come back down, you know, that would be potentially bad. But so if you could imagine the airflow pushing onto a car, it is the air is directed up. And so if you're a good physics student, you'd know that momentum is conserved in collisions. And so the air particles are effectively colliding with your car. And since they're being deflected upwards, there is a force that's being enacted on your car downwards. So what that means is that you're less susceptible to being flown up, uh, I suppose, less susceptible for, for leaving the track uh, and that's why the Formula One cars all have these these uh, spoilers. That that's really interesting. So, if you have a really small car, though, what does it do? How is this different from a Formula One car than to to your car on the street? So, your car is probably uh, a bit heavier and not as elongated, um, and thus less likely to fly up in the air. Yeah, our um, cars aren't shaped like rockets generally. Yeah, that's right. Um, but. So, yeah, the, the minimal gains that you'd get from your car being pushed down really aren't that great. And you're probably not going to be driving at such high speeds. Like the uh, F1 cars can get in excess of 200 kilometers per hour, and they're very light. So 
in contrast, your car is probably going to get to 100, 110 max if you're going down a country road and you're a lot heavier and less likely for the air to push you upwards. So I think it might, might be more of an aesthetic thing to have on your car uh, rather than a functional or a performance-enhancing sort of addition to your car. You can still, you can still have your, formula, uh, your, your fully sick look, Lauren. Like, I know you might have your heart set on having this spoiler to, to make you stand out in the crowd and uh, to be you know, number one in the racing scene. So you can still have it. Just, uh, just remember that it might not have the same effects on your car as it would in a Formula 1 car. This has been the Young Scientist of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. This week on Lagrange Point's Super Racing Special Part 2, we look at the science behind NOS and turbochargers. We ask the question, do spoilers on Suzuki and Mitsubishi actually do anything aside from making cars look good? We explore electric vehicles and electric charging stations. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.